Final Boy Status is a podcast about scary movies and the stuff that happens in them. The entire horror genre is generally frightening and disturbing. So if you're a kid, be sure to ask your parents if it's okay for you to listen. Or don't. You'd probably be cooler if you didn't ask for their permission. But then again, I won't tell you how to live your life. Also, we will be discussing spoilers during this podcast, so don't say we didn't warn you. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Final Boy Status. I will be your host this episode. I am Lanson Lappin. I am joined, as always, by two esteemed gentlemen, Adam Bone and Luke Howder. Hello. Okay, I'm sorry, but can we acknowledge that right up until you started, this room was pure chaos. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm like really like wigged out right now because it was... Total chaos, noise on all ends, <laughs> and then and then Lanson literally went five, four, three, two, one, and somehow miraculously we were quiet enough by one that he was just like, "All right, so here we are." Quiet coyote, quiet coyote, <laughs> please. It was just we we really went from like sixty to zero in a really impressive amount of time. Proud of us, proud gotta, of us. We got to lock it down, lock it down for the episode. Locked it in. In this episode, we are going to be going over the great film, The Babadook. And just to give a little bit of an introduction to us, what we're about on this show, in case you haven't seen us for a while or this is your first time watching, here at Final Boy Status, basically we talk about spoopy movies, we talk about survivability, but this this episode's going to be a little different because it's not your classic slashers, so you know, we also talk about the characters, we talk about the movie, we talk about the antagonist, we have a good time. So, without any further ado, let's, uh, let's kind of hop into it, uh, Adam. I believe you have some a little bit of introduction to kind of give the people a little bit of context on this guy. Yeah, this is an Adam pick, ladies and gentlemen. This yeah. is a classic Adam pick. Yeah. yeah. So for season two, if you've been paying attention, all of us kind of just chose movies we enjoyed, movies that were meaningful to us, or movies we just wanted to watch. Not all of these are going to be meaningful. Uh, but this one was meaningful to me. I think it was... One of the first horror movies that really got me into the genre. Um, I really enjoyed this movie when it came... uh, I don't know if I saw it when it came out. But um, basically it's about a single mother who has a single child. Um, He's married. This child is not married. (laughs) Not yet. Unmarried (laughs) child. An unmarried (laughs) Australian child. He's probably single because he's an Australian magician. Let's just get that out of the way. This kid's a dork. This kid's a real. This kid's a real square. He's you know just L seven weenie. That is true. (laughs) Now that we've roasted him enough, I guess. They live in Australia. Yeah. Right. This. That's where this movie was filmed. It's where it takes place. Uh. The kid one day wants to read a book. They open the book. It's called Mr. Baba Duke. It says some creepy, weird, disturbing things. Then the book keeps showing up, and the Baba Duke starts having an influence over these characters' lives. And that's kind of what the movie is. It's a pretty simple premise where, you know, maybe a premise we've seen a lot. Um, but uh, in this podcast we will be getting into more spoiler territory if you haven't seen it go see it uh and follow along with us yeah yeah, that's basically what the movie's about yeah this is for sure one where i would actually say if you haven't seen the movie do yourself a favor pause the podcast go watch the movie go watch you don't need to finish this until after the movie yeah (laughs) pause it come back we'll be here we'll we'll wait for you like don't we'll just you know i got nothing to do man (laughs) No, I I mean, some movies, you know, I I could go one way or the other, like the Happy Death Day movies that that we did to kick off the season. Honestly, if you didn't watch Happy Death Day 2 and you just watched our episode on it, like, okay, I'm fine with that. Uh, But no, The Babadook, I would genuinely say just go watch it. It's good filmmaking. It was very low budget, like 
really groundbreaking. Um, I think very highly of it as well. It was a very meaningful film when I watched it. So, yeah, I, I would say go check this one out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, getting into our kind of more review and giving an opinion um, portion of our episode, um, what we like to do is we give a rating out of 13, both on the quality, what we liked about the film, as well as scariness, also out of 13. So, why don't we start with you, Adam? What, just as a general opinion, like, what did you think? Sure. So... Uh, like I said, this movie's really awesome. I like it a lot. I think it's very simple, and if the premise was just written down on paper, you'd be like, yeah, I've seen it a hundred times. So I think one thing I guess it doesn't have going for it is originality in the premise, in um, in the simplicity of it. But what it does very, very well is takes the themes that we're very familiar with and the... Um, background that we've seen before and really takes it and brings it to to new light um in ways that uh until seeing this movie i hadn't seen before i think after this have come out and maybe other movies um have kind of done this but this was the first time i saw something that really was metaphorical um something that was a little bit more on the nose than your average movie where it's like we're going to play with these themes but mostly it's going to be this horror thing. This movie is very 50-50 where we're dealing with this family of two and they're dealing with some grief um, and the mom is just having a tough, tough life. <laughs> yeah, and She's had a rough rough go five or six years. Yeah. yeah six years. And she's yeah. on the edge and she's pushed over the edge. And so... Um, this film is similar. I think Hereditary is a movie that's comparable because it, it kind of does the same thing where it's about a family and the dynamic and, and grief and the horror aspect is there to kind of highlight these things, um, but it doesn't detract from it and it doesn't overshadow the, the main themes. This is a little bit more on the nose, I'd say, than Hereditary, but I love it a lot. Um, I think the end is a really cool resolution, something you kind of don't see with horror movies. Uh, for being super low budget, for this being the directorial debut of um, Jennifer Kent, I had to look. Uh, <laughs> just, I think it's a great movie. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it an 11 out of 13. Very really, nice. really good. Wow. Again, it was pretty simple, and I, I think it, it doesn't break super amazing ground in in what it does, but very, very effective and very, very uh, uh, simple. Very nice. And uh, your scariness score, what would you give it? I also think this movie is very scary. Yeah. I think... Spooktacular. It uses really cool scares that that are very um, awesome. I love the visual of the Babadook. It's Mm. something so simple and so practical because it was a low-budget movie. They couldn't do anything with crazy special (laughs) effects. They had these weird hands that had long fingers. They had this trench coat and they had this hat and they're like we're gonna make this a scary image and they did you you saw the mom see this image around she's at the police station she's like is that what is that hanging up there and the guy kind of moves in front of it and you're like what the heck was that she's seeing this image everywhere and that image is super scary and super visceral i think um and the movie does well keeping things in the shadows and not letting you see them yeah sound design is really scary i think Whenever the Babadook is doing his Babadook thing and you hear the cicadas in the background and all those things are really just kind of tied together to make it very uneasy. Um, I don't think there's any moments that, you know, you're just going to jump out of your chair and scream. It's it's all very uh, tension building. It's all very atmospheric. But I think it has a potential to stay with you after the movie. I don't remember specifically if it did when I first watched it, but I think definitely you're in a dark room and you see some clothes hanging up, you're going to be like, <laughs> is that the Babadook? It's come for me. So out of 13, I'm going to give it a 9. I think nice. it's pretty scary. Uh, it's not it's not reaching hereditary levels. Oh, geez, there isn't yeah. anything that crazy <laughs> that what goes can? on. But it was pretty scary. And nice. I think it will have a residual effect. Very nice. So, um... Yeah, I would agree with Adam. I think that this is a great movie. Um, well written, well directed. The acting is great. Um, 
yeah, overall quality, I liked it a lot. Um, I, out of 13, I will give it a 9 out of 13. Um, and then as far as um, the horror aspect, I mean, geez, the Babadook is just terrifying. Like these long spindly fingers and this guy in a trench coat and it's got <laughs> this weird face and a top. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not a good time. But <laughs> I do have to say something that I feel like maybe not so much as a horror aspect, but I guess I'll lump it in the the umbrella of the horror aspect is the discomfort that you feel in all of like a lot of the social situations that each character is in. I think really helps with the tension of the film and to establish like the uneasiness that's throughout it and some of the, you know, themes and topics and, and metaphors that it makes is very appropriate with using that. Um, so out of 13, I will give it, I'll give it, I'll match it with my general score. I'll give it a nine, nine out of 13. Oh, kapow. Nine or nine. Um, <laughs> it's it, talking about the spooky thing. I feel like I have to, I have to fess up to something. Uh, but I, I started the movie on one side of the couch and about halfway through I got up and I moved to the other side of the couch. What I didn't tell you guys was because the side of the couch I was sitting on originally, I have my back to just an empty room and an empty hallway <laughs> yeah. and having that space behind me and like slowly got like so uncomfortable <laughs> and like creepy to me that I had to get up and move to the other side of the couch where there's just a wall right behind me. Right. <laughs> just to have that comfort of, like, I know for a fact what's behind me. It's just a wall. <laughs> like, just the ambiguous thing of, like, the hallway behind me is... There's too much uh, room to breathe here. <laughs> so, um, no, I was cracking jokes the whole time because I, because I know that this movie, scary-wise, really gets to me. I don't know what it is about this movie, but it... It hits all my triggers. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the highest I've gone for a scare score is. Yeah, and we gotta have a sheet with these. We need to make an Excel sheet. Yeah, we have Get to. We have to. We have to know like what our rankings were back in the day. Um, and I will admit, the second time through, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't say this is as scary as my first time watching it. Sure. Yeah. First time watching it, I was just like. I was such a baby just the whole time. I was like, <laughs> just every scene. Um, but this time watching, I would, I had a lot more <laughs> self control. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know how high I want to go. I'm, I'm gonna for scary. I'm gonna give this one a, I'm gonna give this one a ten point five out of thirteen. Pow. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm ready to break ground on that eleven score. I don't. Ooh. I I may have already given a movie an eleven in the past and just forgotten about it. But right now, I feel like the eleven score is a bit impenetrable, so I'm not ready to give that out yet. But this movie, I find very particularly creepy, very atmospheric in all of the best ways. Um, movie itself, jeez, quality. But the movie itself, it's it's really interesting that Adam pitched this as like a very unoriginal movie because I don't think I would have ever framed it that way. Like, I guess if I stop and think about it, the idea of like a single mom and a kid and a monster haunts them. Yeah, that, that's been around. But I don't think about that at all when I watch this movie. When I watch this movie, I'm thinking the whole time, like, I've never really seen anything like this. And like Adam said, the imagery and the sort of and the and the darkness of the story is so perfectly married into like the themes of it um and obviously this movie is very very metaphorical and symbolic and i don't know how much we're going to get into that or if we want to get into that yet um but uh, i mean i'll I'll talk about it it's a, it's a beautiful movie it i i i've cried both times i watched it it's really it's really something it's not just here to spook you it's really has something to say and it's really uh well made especially like you can kind of tell it's a small budget because they're very strategic about how everything's done um but it's just it's good it's good filmmaking uh out of 13 i'll 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 broach the 11 ground for this one i'll give this one an 11 out of 13 very nice i'll put it right up there penetrated if it's a movie that can spook me and genuinely make me feel like very strong emotions, strong enough that I shed a tear, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it up there. I'm gonna put it up there. Yeah, for sure. 
Burps. Excuse me. <laughs> you say burp instead of burp. <sighs> I thought I was coming, but then mm, I didn't. Burp. And, you know, burp. Anyway. So. I really misheard what you just said. And I was burp. like. <laughs> burp. <laughs> just, sorry. Burp. You said, you said I thought it was coming, and I thought you said I thought I was coming. And I was <laughs> like. Adam, I was like, Lanson's never been like this much of an animal on the podcast before. I'm not prepared for this. This is new territory. I'm in the unknown. I'm in the wilderness, and I I don't feel physically prepared to handle this. I don't. I I can't handle this right now. <laughs> Baba Duke finna make me act up. Tell you what, do it how they do it on the down under. That's why they had to have the the vibrator scene with the mom. <laughs> the Baba Duke's just so hot. Oh. It's like looking at Steve Bannon in some shorts. Spindly fingers. Oh, those chapped knees. What those fingers do? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great segue into talking about our antagonist. Adam finna find out. Adam finna find out. (laughs) Finna find out quick. (laughs) Tell you what. So, usually, at this portion of the episode, we like to talk about and profile a killer. However, this isn't your normal slasher movie, but... We'll still kind of talk about our antagonist, the Babadook, what that means, what we think it means, if we want to get into that. So, yeah, let's just open up the floor. Let's talk about a Mr. Babadook. This, yeah. this is an interesting movie to do this with because, I don't know, the way I am seeing it right now is is obviously the Babadook is a physical creature in this movie world. It yeah. is a thing that exists. It, it is is a thing that can do harm and that can do things, but it's also um, a metaphor for us to take. So it's almost like it's weird to to categorize it. You're like, can I deal with the metaphorical Babadook or the actual physical thing? <laughs> I, I think we have to talk about it purely in the physical form for it to kind of make sense and not to get hmm. super weird at least partially, and then the other way as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sure. I do think we have to meet it. I, th- I think we have to meet somewhere in the middle on this because I think that's what the movie does. I think the movie, um, obvi- like you said, it is a real creature in the context of the movie. Yeah. But also it, it very much is connected to and feeds on the things that it metaphorically represents. Right. So I feel like um, I I do feel that the correct way to approach it is to talk about it as a physical being, but also as a manifestation of uh, abstract ideas. I I think that's really the only way to talk about it. I I think, uh, I mean, just to kind of like really get into it, Obviously, this family this family has significant trauma. The mother and the son share a very, a very real trauma, and I think that's what the Babadook latches onto at first. I think it, um, it almost like detects that in people and is drawn to and is drawn to people who have this trauma and who have this pain, but importantly, who have this pain and don't speak about it. Um, I mean, I obviously. Uh, the the uh, the writer the director, it seems clear to me that they intended the Babadook to be a metaphor for various things, but like primarily grief. I think mm-hmm. also like uh, mental illness. As somebody who uh, has suffered really has suffered for a lot of my life with like mental illness and things of that, and I've been very vocal about that. If you're just tuning in, this is not a secret. <laughs> um, I think it's one of those things that it's like. Uh, and one of the strong and one of the things that comes up a lot in the movie is if you pretend it's not real and if you don't talk about it, it gives more power to the thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's often the experience with grief and mental illness. It's very much been my experience in the realm of mental illness that if you just like pretend it's not there or if you just don't talk about it, it has more strength than ever before. Like really what takes away its power is to is to call it out like and to talk about it and i feel like this movie really hinges a lot on that metaphor which is things do get better as you're willing to deal with them and as you're willing to acknowledge that they're real and as you're willing to talk about them so i feel like the babadook the creature 
latches on to uh, latches on to like people who have these issues, these traumas, um, and are quiet about it. It's almost like the Babadook has like that opportunistic mindset of like, hey, if you don't talk about this trauma in your past, you're probably not going to talk about me. And just as trauma gets stronger as you keep silent about it, the Babadook gets stronger as you stay silent about it. So it's like, I feel like that's a good way to talk about the creature as it is physical, but um, it shares similar symptoms to like the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's how I think we we would look at it. I don't know. I I I mean that's that's my take on the right. Babadook. I don't know how you guys would interpret it, but yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. I think, yeah, it's interesting. Like just as a physical creature, like you know, it has so much control over the person's life that it's infesting. Um, I think it's also interesting. Like you know also speaking physically and metaphorically like as has been said like when you try to ignore it it's 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 always present in your life but you know the more that you say that it isn't there it's there it's like the more that you don't approach the difficulty of accepting that or identifying that like makes it stronger and it's it's one of those things where it's like you know in life when you deal with something it's like okay, well, let's not talk about that. Well, it's like, it's obviously there, and you probably should just, you know, address that and approach that, and that'll get easier. But it is interesting just to have that dynamic of the characters of, like, the Babadook's not real, but, like, it's, you know it's real. It's been following you everywhere this entire time. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I would agree that, um, yeah, it is a physical being that feeds off of, these negative emotions and negative situation and the less that you want to be honest about that or address that is the more that the more root that um the babadook takes in your life and a crazy thing about it which is definitely a strength of the babadook is it never goes away yeah you can't get rid of the babadook and that is obviously very metaphorically profound but in the sense that it is a creature that's eating worms in your basement uh that's a strength it's always going to be there and you always have to be dealing with it in a healthy way or else it's gonna get angry and become a monster again right so yeah that's a that's a big strength for the babadook it's you're you're never going to get rid of it well and it's and like a key thing to point out too is uh one of like the last lines is the kid asks like, how was it today? And she goes, you know what? It was kind of quiet today. And I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, um, uh, you know, talking about grief or like mental health. Uh, I heard somebody did, it, it was such a, such a beautiful description. I heard somebody describe it once that, uh, if grief or depression or anxiety or whatever, like, a person is dealing with if you think of it as a box with a button on the inside uh like your grief or your mental illness or whatever is a big old ball inside of that box and some days that ball feels massive and all you have to do is move a little bit to one side and the ball rolls over presses the button and you have a freak out or whatever and dealing with mental health is basically just doing what you can to shrink the ball little by little. The ball will always be bouncing around and will inevitably hit that pain button, like, no matter what. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. always a likelihood of that happening. You just have to try and keep on top of it and keep that ball small and be coping and be trying to feel healthy. And I feel like that movie kind of captures the. This movie really kind of captures that in physical form where it's like you know what, the Duke was quiet today, but maybe tomorrow, like, it's going to give us more trouble. And they're prepared for that. She tells him, like, you have to stay outside while I go deal with this. Like, she locks the door behind her when she goes in. She's very careful about her interactions at the end. So I think, like, I again, sorry, to, to just backing up what you said, like, it's very much in that realm of it can get stronger again, and it can, and it will have days where, and it will have days where it's stronger than other days and you will have to deal with it forever. That is definitely a strength of it is that it's sort of eternal in a way, yeah. which, 
in the in the context of right now i'm realizing sounds really dark and horrifying but in the movie it's weirdly like hopeful <laughs> right yeah. right yeah i think uh, uh yeah i had another thought but it has escaped me it's all good something that i was Whoopsie. thinking about lance has um, got a thought to back i have I, a thought I, I i'm going to grab my water and i just know that my head is going to dip into the other camera <laughs> and i feel so weird about it so i'm just calling it out now come into our side <laughs> oh, come on oh, over oh, dude oh. oh did you see me we gotta did see me <laughs> um so something the about audience like <laughs> i'm sorry i felt like i had to say no, something otherwise the audience just sees me suddenly lean into lanson's lap like all right well, hello. <laughs> While Lansing gives uh, some some of his opinions, let me just uh, see what's going on down here. <laughs> Those are some nice pleats. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, you know, we, we do what we can. We got a dress to impress on this show. Um, so something that I was thinking about with the Babadook, both physically as well as metaphorically, is that the Babadook doesn't just, in a way, yes, it does affect them, but it also, the existence of the Babadook also affects... Um, the relationship that, and the interaction that these main characters, Samuel and his mother, have with everybody else in the movie, which I think is very fitting if we're talking about mental health or if we're talking about grief. Like, that's something that's always going to, for better or for worse, that's always going to influence you as a person and, and your interaction with other people. So I think if you're the Duke, you would feed off of that in in the sense of, the characters being in the mindset of not talking about that grief or not talking about you as as a creature that boils over into having a negative experience with other people which ultimately makes you stronger as a creature yeah i yeah. agree i think there is also an interesting balance that because obviously at the end of the movie she kind of figures out how to deal with it figures out what the it's weird calling it a weakness, but just what the the way to deal with the Babadook is. Because you can't get rid of it, you can't kill it, you just have to deal with it. Uh, but there is a balance between the Babadook, if strong enough, and if you let it in enough, uh, it turns you into something you're not. She yeah. is not... She, she actually doesn't want to snap the dog's neck or kill her <laughs> child, right? It's making right. her do things she doesn't want to do. But there's also a catharsis in the movie where it comes to acceptance about being quirky, about being weird, about being different because of these experiences you've had. So I think uh, it's very easy for the Babatook to influence people into the extremes of those things where you're acting like somebody you don't want to be yeah. you're almost possessed to yeah. ser- like that's kind of how the movie shows it is almost like a possession where she's just totally not in control because of the baba duke and be- if you let it get to that point that's what it does to you so that's right. that's a big strength for the baba duke as well uh because there is catharsis and importance in accepting it a little bit but when it's to those extremes then you're somebody you don't want to be, and you're killing the dog, and you're killing your son, and it's not yeah, a good day for anybody. It's just a bad day. It's a bad Friday for everybody. <laughs> yeah, Not a good time. Yeah, I think um, all, excellent points all around. Uh, again, both in the metaphor and with the creature itself, it seems that isolation is key because like, it's like first order of business during like the full possession is... Uh, it like it has her take a kitchen knife and cut the phone line and like you know turn all the neighbors away she tells her son like we don't talk to your aunt anymore which is like a really weird and intense moment yeah um and it's like uh i and we don't like have context of this like This is, like, every time I start to talk about the Babadook as a creature, I'm just going to end up talking about mental health, so sorry. Um, But what's, like, really something I think that is interesting to think about is uh, one of, like, one of the things that can really let, like, a mental illness settle into you and, like, get in you the way, like, the Babadook does is sometimes you have that thought of, like, I'm the only person who understands what it's like to feel this. It's like, this is only happening to me. 
And so it would have been kind of interesting if we had some sort of resolution where she said something about the Baba Duke to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I have one in my basement, too. Because it's like uh, because I think something else that happened within the context of the movie is like when she first tries to go to the police, they're just like really like uh okay you burned the book there's a guy i don't know what any of this means then she sees the coat and she's like suspicious of them and she's like oh they're not gonna understand and she like dips yeah and then like they they obviously she has a fight with her sister and she's like well my sister no longer understands so i'm a dip it's like the babadook feeds on this idea that you think you're singular in some way that you're the that you're the you you know you're the uh that you're like the martyr standing alone in the field or whatever yeah. and so i uh it's not really touched on in the film very much it's kind of just thematically around a little bit but uh i it seems like the babadook would get weaker as you let people in and you try mm. not to be isolated if you actually like turn to others for help um obviously like she very nearly kills her son like a couple of times and the first time it's averted because the neighbor shows up and she just is very sweetly like are you okay are you like i'm worried about you um and that like calms down the babadook enough for a minute that like Mm -hmm. she kind of like kind of starts to come back to her senses but that it overtakes her again so it's just kind of one of those things of like um and also like physical isolation like they don't leave the house like after like i don't even know when exactly it happens but basically like the second half of this movie is all just in the house right um they don't want to go outside they don't do anything she doesn't want to do anything except sleep all day and watch tv all night which again is a very like (laughs) mental illness thing that i that's a little too relatable uh but it's like the isolation i think somehow keys into it it's not really it's not really touched on as much as other stuff, but I feel like that is a good weakness that you could potentially exploit with the Babadook is he clearly wants isolation. He clearly wants the mother to think that the Babadook is the only creature in the world that understands her or whatever. Um, and again, again, like within the context of the metaphor, that's something that comes up all the time too. It's like the, the, the thought that you're singular and that nobody will understand which is very often false. So I don't, potential weakness, not confirmed in the movie in any way, yeah. but, uh, you know, uh, seeking connection instead of isolation would probably go very far. I would agree. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I, I barely think at all. <laughs> Here's a nugget that I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on. Yes. The, the, it was a very isolated incident, and I think there was one moment... For me, that was world building. It could be interpreted interpreted as like, oh, she's just seeing stuff on the TV. But there's this TV program where it's the news and they're talking about a woman who actually kills her son with a kitchen knife. She took some shots at the police. They shot and killed her. And then you see Essie Davis's face in the window and there's that whole moment. And it, was, it, and it could have been kind of like a, like a oh, she's like, projecting her own future through the TV. But to me, it was, like, actually happening, and, and it wasn't oh, a case where a Baba Duke had won in that situation where it led her to do that thing and destroy their life. And she was just watching it on the TV and then saw herself in it uh, as if, yeah, now the Baba Duke's getting me too. So in this world where, again, the Baba Duke is a physical thing, um, it's not really said if there's multiple Baba Dukes or if it's the same Baba Duke going around at different people. I would say there's multiple of them because if you have it, you can't get rid of it and it's always there. But maybe it killed that person and then came to this person. So that's kind of what my thoughts are. I'm not quite sure because, again, it could be interpreted where it's just like because she's just seeing stuff on the TV and this whole sequence of crazy things that probably aren't actually there. But to me, it's kind of world building where it said, look, there was a situation that the Duke came and killed this entire family, and now it's coming for this family. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm not sure if there's multiple of them again or if it's just one. What 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 are your guys' thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that would be really interesting if there were more than one and that they were just kind of like 
scattered throughout the world, you know? Yeah. Because if we're also, you know, metaphorically and physically like, I think it's also interesting too because, I mean, with the news, I feel like with good news or bad news, human nature is infused in there. So yeah. there's like a reflection of yourself of what you could do where it's like, I feel like the Duke reveals like, obviously with like killing your dog and almost killing your son, it shows you that capability that you have. And so I think in a way it kind of is a revealer of sorts to kind of show you like, oh, like this is what could happen. If you don't, like, work on yourself, if you don't talk about... Yeah, so I think physically as a creature, I think that's cool. And I like that idea of there being multiple. And I think as a metaphor, like, the bad, the terrible, the ugly side, I think that is something that's reflected, like, in everybody in the movie, you know? So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Great thoughts. Sure. Oh yeah, I, I I like the idea that there's multiple Babadooks. I mean, I was kind of broaching that territory already, but yeah, it's like you're saying, yeah, I have a Babadook. He's in my basement. That's what led me to think of it. I was like, yeah, yeah. in that in that newscast, we saw a Babadook kill a family, at least in my interpretation. Yeah. So yeah, you have to assume there's more. I do. I do think hmm. this is getting real interesting, and we you guys might make me cut this later, yeah. uh, but. One thing I do think is kind of absent in this movie, which is because the Babadook is like a physical manifestation of grief, of of whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I do think um, what, one thing that isn't adequately articulated in this movie that I would say from my own experience um, is there is a level of choice. Uh which is, you know, mental illness is not a one-to-one of you want to hurt somebody. Yeah. Uh, terrible pain from terrible pain from grief is not a one-to-one of you want to hurt people. Obviously, it distorts your thinking and it puts you in a bad zone. But still, violence is, is a choice. Um, and this movie kind of starts to get there a little bit in that, like at the height of her possession, she's like choking her kid and then lets him go. But it's not articulated very well that like, um, you know, that, that the violence is, is a choice. Right. Um, so that, that's something I would point out is that if the physical, physical Babadook itself is a one-to-one with mental illness, it can't make you be violent. It can, it can drug you up. It can distort your world to the point where you might be more likely to choose violence, but the violence is still your choice. That makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. If you're, if you're, if you're uh, putting yourself in the mom's place in this movie where you're imagining you're the person kind of being possessed by the Babadook, um, like obviously it's, it's a really horrible situation. You're not doing well. You're very, very ill, but, uh, I, I I think that's something that's not talked about. That's not it's not articulated well enough in most movies about mental health. That was honestly my biggest complaint about uh, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix as well. Like it's a well made movie. It got a lot of acclaim, but I was like, you know, that movie blames Arthur's violence on his mental health over and over again. And right. That's it's not. That's him choosing. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. chooses to be violent. He can like he is mentally ill. Of course, yeah. But also like violence is not the equivalent of being mentally ill yeah so that's something i really want to point out about that this movie doesn't articulate well enough um and also a potential something you could exploit in the babadook is which is i don't think he can force you to be violent you do have to choose that right uh so yeah, this lady needs to go to jail. She fully <laughs> snapped a dog in half. I know, man. Uh, and started choking out her kid. And look, he's a loser who does magic. I get it. I get it. But also, not even magicians deserve to die. Video editors, go ahead, cut this out. Cut this little section out. Share it around. I want this video circling the internet. I don't think magicians deserve to die. 
Amen to that, do. brother. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Oh, no. A divide. One stole my fucking nose one time, and I want it back. <laughs> Pulled a quarter out of my ear, that fucking witch. <laughs> Where did he get the money? Where's the money? Adam, oh, Adam fully morphs into Nicolas Cage from Season of the Witch. Is that the movie where Nicolas Cage plays the witch hunter, I think? Yes. Let's yes. say it is. Yeah, that sounds about right. Either that or National Treasure, I can't. <laughs> was, it the, was it uh, the Wickerman? The Wickerman could have been. The, the bees, anything but the bees. Uh, uh. <laughs> Everybody feel like we talked a sufficient amount about the Boba Duke. Anything else? I feel like for time reasons we have to move on. <laughs> All right. I feel like he if does we have sit, the spindly fingers. Hey, yeah, he, he can he pick can a lock. The crap out of you. <laughs> I mean, we we never see it on screen. It just like we, the Babadook like falls on her, mm-hmm. and then there's like the sound of him just like ripping her apart. So there's that. So yeah, good for the, you, Babadook. Them spindly figures. Them spindly what fig- those fingers do. That's what, what them fingers do. That's what they do. That's what they do. So, this is also a portion of the show where we talked a little bit about our victims, if this was a slasher film, which this is, you know, this is different. Um, we've talked a little bit about the characters. Is there anything else that we kind of would like to bring up? Anything that stood out? This is kind mm-hmm. of a very weird thing to bring up just out the gate, but it's been bugging me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to get it out. I okay. think it. that scene with, at the police station... I think those were terrible police officers. <laughs> yeah. I hope I wasn't the only one that thought this. She did come in. She looked a little crazy. I think maybe in my mind it would have kind of like rolled my eyes or would have been like, been like, hmm, this is kind of weird. Sure. But they didn't even have her like write a report. Yeah. They The dude looked her in the eye and was like, I can't help you. There's nothing we can do. And that to me was terrible. Maybe... That's how it works, and maybe I just haven't been in this situation. Yeah. But I'm saying, if we're talking Dude, about you, victims... You gotta be careful. We're posting this on the internet. You're gonna get so much, like, communist propaganda <laughs> in your inbox after this goes out. I'm psyched. <laughs> hey! <laughs> People are like, he's not satisfied with police work? Let's talk about this. Hey. Let's talk about that. The Marxist has shown himself. If we're talking about victims and choices they make the choices those police officers were not satisfactory <laughs> to my standards. Fair we're enough. talking about bad choices. Uh, that dog really ran into her hands. Like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. No. Um, it, to talk about her specifically, I do think one of the things that I clocked this time watching it that I thought was really interesting is the, the Babadook doesn't really introduce anything new into her life. It just amplifies what's already there. Yeah. She obviously has resentment towards her son. She feels weird because he's so much like his dad who has died. Yeah. And she has trouble loving him completely because of that. From the from the get-go, you can tell that there is some aspect of her love that she's holding back. Which, like, of course that's going to mess the kid up. Like, that's that's huge for a mother to be holding back and loving him. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, But already, like, at, at the beginning, she clearly is, like, sad and dissatisfied and is depressed and misses her husband and feels weird and feels some weird resentment towards her son and she's not sleeping at the beginning either Mm -hmm. um she she's very quick to blame her son but like in one of the first scenes she's just staying up late watching tv and then goes upstairs like i mean (laughs) like this is but let's just, I'm just going to say it like it is. Right. She's wa- She's staying up late watching TV, and then she goes upstairs to use her vibrator and yeah. then go to bed. So, like, she's she's blaming her son. Like, I'm not sleeping because of my son. But also, one night when he's just genuinely in bed, like, trying to go to sleep, she's just staying up late anyway. So she's clearly not sleeping. She's clearly not feeling very happy. She clearly feels some level of resentment. Um, and then the Babadook kind of come, comes in and amplifies all that. So I think... Uh, I don't know. I mean, 
if you in her place could find ways to help that, you know? Um, and again, like I said, it seems like the, I said this earlier, but it seems like the Babadook is attracted to people who suffer silently because it's like, oh, well, they're not talking about their grief. They're probably not going to talk about me either. I'll just slip right in here. So I think in terms of things you could do right out the gate is you could be somebody who's sort of a champion of your own mental health and you could be somebody who's very conscious of like somebody who maybe is in a little more of a well-adjusted position than her mm. by the way i'm not trying to like shame her or anything obviously she went through something really traumatic like at the very end we get the briefest visual of what she saw when her husband died and like yeah. i would have trouble sleeping too so it's yeah. like I'm really not trying to shame her and be like, man, she should just get over it. But like, she definitely could have put in more work before this. Yeah. You know, at the very least she could accept, I mean, kind of step one is being able to say like, you know what? I went through something really hard and I'm probably not fully okay. Yeah. And her whole thing is just kind of like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. Like, I don't need your pity. I don't need you like everybody just leave me alone is kind of her attitude right out the gate and so i again kind of going back to the one of the first things i pointed out about it maybe the best way to kind of get yourself in a good spot to be a winner right out the gate is to be somebody who is who is striving like to get better and is willing to admit when they're not well yeah i say that like it's easy it's not but yeah, that's, for sure, man. that's the first barrier for everybody is just admitting that you're not well. Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, the biggest, I guess the biggest choice and decision, obviously, like, going through something hard like that, um, it's not like you can just wake up and will yourself to be like, I'm getting better, I'm better, you know? <laughs> it doesn't work like that, but... You do have to order a self-help book off Amazon. <laughs> That's really the only way to kickstart. All right. That. That's really the only way to kickstart Dabda. Uh. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, you you definitely have to you definitely have to give yourself a fighting chance and you definitely have to um seek out help but also you know, you kind of got to do the basics of like okay, I got to get to sleep. I got to eat healthy. I got to like take care of my body. If we're talking about this from like a grief or a mental health or or any kind of perspective, you know, um, you definitely have to give yourself a fighting chance and have somewhat of a routine. I know that again, easier said than done. Um, but I think, you know, the Babadook as a physical creature, I am not a hundred percent sure of what I would do to, um, to combat that, I guess, maybe letting people in in a way of like hey i'm going through something like with her neighbor that would be a good opportunity to be like you know what i'm feeling overwhelmed you know because um, being a parent is very very hard so you know it's all good if you want to like say you know what can samuel stay with you for a little bit i need to work some stuff out i need to kind of have some me time um i think yeah obviously just saying like there is a problem there is a creature this is not an imagination. Like, I straight up almost, well, I straight up crashed my car. I have all these <laughs> negative things in my life. Like, uh, something's got to change. I got to admit that this is a thing and then start from there. I think would be my perspective and what I would try to do in that situation. Yeah. Well, and it seems like the Babadook kind of puts all its chips on this idea that that there's something she's not going to let go of. Sure. Which is her her husband, right? Like she, like the it's almost like the movie's kind of trying to say the reason she can't fully love her son and be a fully present mother to her son is because she's still holding on to the dad, mm-hmm. um, and it feels like the Babadook in a lot of ways is like banking on that, yeah. which is that she isn't going to be able to let go of him, and so maybe that's another thing just to point out is like it's really ambiguous, you know, as like how she backs it down and gets it in the basement, how that happens is kind of ambiguous. Um, but like, I think it might just start with like being willing to let go of the thing that 
like being willing to let go of that thing. So in terms of her, it was like being willing to let go of what was in favor of what could be with her and her son. Yeah. Um, I can't speak as to what the equivalent of that would be with like other forms of mental illness, but like it seems to be very invested in the idea that there's something you're not going to be able to let go of. And in some, and in some ways that that's kind of a one-to-one with mental illness in its own way, which is like, you have no control over your mental illness until you let go of the illusion of control. (laughs) It's like the more you obsess and the more you, think you can tighten your grip on it the more unruly it becomes like there's a there is a weird freedom that comes with like just being willing to like let go a little bit yeah i don't know i definitely see that this is all very abstract it's adam like (laughs) adam is posed like a greek philosopher being (laughs) molded into a statue call me david I was like, I was trying to articulate what I was thinking, but I kept looking over at Adam and I was like, <laughs> we have a strict rule about Adam being handsome on camera and he's breaking that rule it's right really now. It's really hard for us to be able to keep on track and keep focused, but we'll, we'll try to power through, I suppose. <laughs> We're professionals. We got to keep <laughs> going. <laughs> the show must go on. Um, so yeah, uh, is there anything else that we want to talk about with the characters or anything that came to mind? I think a small thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, I just trashed on the police officers. I don't know why this whole scene is sticking out in my mind. Yeah. But to give them credit, she did burn the book. And if she's ever seen a horror movie, you don't burn the book. <laughs> you, you don't know? burn the book. You don't burn the book. <laughs> you, you don't, don't throw it out. Fire does nothing <laughs> to supernatural entities. And especially just gets rid of the evidence if it isn't supernatural. So sure. either way... She shouldn't have read the book. She should have brought it to the police, even though we know it wouldn't have done anything because it's an evil creature. Right. I think that is a decision that uh, that was really stupid and could be avoided if you just didn't burn the book. Fair enough. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Very nice, Forrest. Right. Anyway. So anyway, uh, moving more towards the championship rounds of uh, final boy <laughs> and final girl status. I suppose uh, this we're is... We're the uh, final bracket now. We're, we're getting there. So, yeah, basically what we do is we talk about if we could make it to final boy status, which is you make it almost to the end of the movie and then you're the last one to get killed. Or final girl status where you make it through the entire movie. Obviously, this is not going to fit that mold, so it's going to be a little bit different, but what do we think? As far as, like final boy status how would we how would we even describe that or what would that even look like i mean i guess final boy status is like we feels like the binary choice here is we either succumb to the babadook or we don't yeah so final boy status you put in a brave fight but you you know you, you can't overcome that last little stretch or whatever and you are just another one of the Duke's victims or final girl status. You find a way to live with the Duke, like, yeah. like the mother in the movie, like where it's just day by day, you deal with it. Um, I don't know. I feel like that would be a good distinction. I don't What, what do you guys think? I think that's good. I think I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's kind of dark, but you know, your final boy status would be the dog, so just don't be the dog and you make it. <laughs> Her name isn't Bugsy. Bugsy? Then you're okay. Big Bigsy, Bugsy? Bugs Bunny? Bugs, yep. That was a classic Bugs Bunny reference. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Yeah, um, stepping up to the plate on this one. Uh, so, you know, I think that... I mean, I'll be real, like, at the first little bit, if I'm the parent in that situation, I'm going to go full 90s movie where I'm like, there's no monster. I, You know, there's evidence. Like, I have it right here. This is the Babadook. Yeah, whatever, you silly kid. You're watching horror movies, you know, being that type of parent. But <laughs> in more of a serious note, I think it would be hard for me at first to be like, oh, yeah, there's a monster, and this is a book, and it's a real thing. But, you know, as things progressed... Um, I think that I would be willing to be like, you know what, there's a problem. I need to first of all admit it and move on from there. Uh, Fortunately for me, you know, I found those self-help books on Amazon. (laughs) And there is a chapter, chapter 13, how to deal with your own personal Babadook. 
So yeah. good thing I read that. Uh, and it was delivered by drones. It's yeah, really, bro, it was good. These guys are getting like next level. <laughs> these I don't know if you've heard about these Amazon guys, but they're really kicking it up a notch. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So that would be in a serious slash not so serious way how I would deal with the Bubba Duke. I have the way to beat the Babadook. Oh, Heck dude. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You find someone who's sadder. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait. The sacrifice move? The sacrifice? You find someone I love it. who's sadder than you. <laughs> yeah, you. Degenerate piece of shit. <laughs> who's already kind of basically her at the end of the movie anyways right and he's just gonna feed the crap out of him it's it's gonna forget about you it's gonna go that's like how it. i'm beating yeah it. just break the you will hungry? a little bit you hungry boy you hungry have a look at this guy <laughs> <laughs> oh well the sadness is oh my god the scent is pungent so i will make final girl status i don't know if we're I there like yet it. but i'm i'm gonna do <laughs> it. i think so i, I like it oh hi you both turned to look at me at the same time that was great uh, jeez, Louise. Final, I mean, final boy status, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking of, like, in real life, like, the real, like, yeah, I really hope this doesn't come across, like, really severe. Like, I'm, I promise, like, it's all good, I'm, I'm good. But, like, when I think about, like, the real life mental breakdowns I've had, I never, I didn't, I never got anywhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> near the level she got, so I'm, like... You know, uh, I I think I I think I could go final girl status. I I think uh, I if we're if we're again going the one to one, my own personal experience with it was like I never had a mental breakdown severe enough that I was just like lost into the ether. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I usually am able at some point to be like, oh man, Ooh, I gotta like. <laughs> call my mom or something yeah. <laughs> let me oh i should actually give love to this child i've been raising for six years you gotta figure this out uh no i i mean the the very genuine answer is i feel like i've kind of had my own version of the babadook for like a while now and i'd like to think it's going well so yeah i'm gonna give myself final girl status uh follow-up <laughs> keep it keep the struggle alternatively i think i could get final girl status uh because i would just take his top hat and like odd job from 007 style oh yeah. i'd go full uh what's his name from mortal Kombat with the hat <laughs> good old razor hat whatever yeah. his name who cares <laughs> whatever his name is uh yeah, like, it, I, I feel like I should have a funny answer to this question as well, and not just a genuine one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my funny answer is, I take this guy's top hat, right? Mm -hmm. And while he's, like, looking around, skittering around the house looking for his top hat, he's so dumb. I just, like, go downstairs, I just get on the grinder bench, I sharpen that stuff up a little, just full decapitation when I walk back upstairs. He's like Frosty the Snowman. That's where he gets his power. Yeah, right? if so you take it away from him. He's like Frosty the Snowman. If he sees the sunlight, he'll melt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. All of your issues will go away with some sunlight. Just get out in the sun. That's the answer. Do you remember when that was like a huge thing in like the 90s and early 2000s? Like, <laughs> like if your child's sad, just like send him out into the sun. He'll probably feel better. <laughs> get a little bit of a sunburn. You'll feel better. That depression's going to go away real quick. I mean, you know, sunlight's great. I'm not trying to bash it, but it's, like, yeah. very funny that there was right. an era of time we were like, that'll fix it. <laughs> that fixes all problems. You got a stomachache, get, get out in the sun. Very nice. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel good about it. Lock that Duke in the basement. I go back to my life of catfishing pedophiles online. I don't know. <laughs> not much changes for me. <laughs> good times. Solid answers all around. So just kind of wrapping up our show. Just to give some some plugs at the end, we usually usually like to give some shout outs. Does anybody have any plugs? Anything we'd like? I to would talk like about to just quickly make a disclaimer. I yes. feel uh, like I should. Okay. None of us are therapists or <laughs> yeah, have any sort of formal education as far as uh, mental health is concerned. So please do true. not. It's very true. Uh, take notes and follow what we say. Follow a professional. Get help from a professional. If you are needing help, absolutely would yeah. like to just offer <laughs> that up. I feel like anything we've offered forth in this podcast, again, going back to this thought earlier, which is 
uh, one of the worst things about mental health is how isolated you feel and how you're constantly convincing yourself you're the only person in the world that feels this way. We're not any form of professional, and if you do need help, please seek out professional help. But this is us being willing to put forward, like, if you are struggling with these things, you're, you're not alone. Yep. And, you know, there's a Baba Duke in every other house on this block. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would like to give a shout-out, a shameless plug to this podcast, <laughs> Final Boy Status. We have a lot of fun making it. Um, so, yeah, look us up. Tell your friends about us if you enjoyed it. Send this to your elderly neighbor who's really worried about you. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll put them right at ease. So anyway, guys, thank you very much. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, This has been an Underqualified Idiocracy Media production produced by Lanson Lappin, Adam Bone, and Luke Houter. You can find additional content and final boy status updates on the YouTube channel for Underqualified Idiocracy Media. Uncut and extended episodes are available at patreon.com slash lukehouter. Theme music was written by Rachel Robison. You can hear more of Rachel's music at rachelrobisonmusic.com. You can also find her work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Robel Racheson. Temporary artwork provided by Luke Houter and Lewis Conrad. This podcast was recorded in Underqualified Studios and edited by Luke Howder with special thanks to Mike Fuchs for providing audio assistance. The illustrious voice acting providing the intro and outro to this episode is Shane Alvey of the Paradox Files voice acting. You can explore more of his work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at The Paradox Files. Thank you for tuning in. And never say, I'll be right back.